to the word of the Lord. We'll begin reading in Acts chapter number 12. Amen. Acts chapter number 12 again. It's so good to have Sister Azar with us in our church services. I'm so glad for these time we get to share and believe in the Lord for protection for her husband, Sister Joy, there in California. And I pray the Lord's blessings will be with them. So grateful for what the Lord is doing for our church. And um, his, his ways are so high above our ways. Some verse even said that his ways are past finding out. It's, uh, it's an incredible, incredible search that we make toward trying to find the ways of God. Brother Isaac, great job Sunday night. The verse Amen. The, uh, the, the verse that kept coming to me while he was preaching was, as Jesus would say, I am the the way. I'm the truth. Spirit always leads to truth. And that's the reason why we need to be sure that we connect every service to the Spirit. Because if we're not careful, we'll listen to the lies of the devil. And he'll feed us a ball of lies. And all of a sudden, as we're being fed lies, all of a sudden we're not listening to truth any longer. But the Spirit is what leads to truth. Spirit and in truth. Well, I love truth. Do you love His presence? You love His presence enough that you'll seek for His presence. Because in His presence there is fullness of joy. Amen. So I, I have a burden in my heart. And to be absolutely open, I just pray the Lord will touch what he has given to us. Acts chapter number 12, verse number 3. Herod has killed James and has imprisoned Peter after he killed James. The reason why he did it was because he saw that it pleased the Jews and he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, Peter that is, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. That was hell's intention. Is to keep the preacher bound up. Get him in enough fights that he couldn't be a blessing to anybody. Get enough bars around him that he just really can't help anybody. And behold, the angel of the Lord, Herod would have brought him forth. But behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Get up quickly, arise up quickly, and his chains fell off. I'm going to tell you, preachers got to get up sometimes if the chains are going to fall off. 
And the angel said, gird yourself, bind on thy sandals. And, he, and so he did, and he said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true that was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Ten, when they were past the first and second word, they came to the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which openeth to them of its own accord. The iron gate that led unto the city. Do we want to sit in a prison cell or do we want to get to the gate that will lead to the city being opened? And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed. And now Peter says of us, surely the Lord had sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the people. Next he went to the praying church where they were gathered together praying in verse 12. 13, and Peter knocked at the door of the gate, the door of the gate. So he's gone from a gate, now he's at the door. And the damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, you're mad. She constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, well, it's an angel. But Peter continued knocking. Thank God that he just kept on knocking. Now, I hope you can get a, an understanding of this. The iron gate that led to the city opened up on its own accord. But if a praying church is ever going to have the divine move of God, they have to open the door. Well, hallelujah. I said that the iron gate that leads to the city God's got the dominion of that but will we open the door we're praying for it we're believing God for it we might as well go ahead and open the door amen Peter continued knocking they held their peace he explained what had happened and God delivered Revelation chapter number 2. Open door. It's the church at Philadelphia that the word of the Lord came to and said, verse 7, the angel of the church, and I know you're standing, and I always read and I let you be seated very quickly. But if you'll bear with me, I want you to stand with me while we're reading. The church at Philippia Philippi write these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of David he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth I know thy works and behold I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut that door for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name now the list goes on him that overcometh will I grant to reign with me the following church was Laodicea and he says unto the church of Laodicea the lukewarm the cold he says behold instead of setting an open door he says I stand at the door so in verse 20 the one who has the ability to open the gates of the city. 
The one that has the ability to open and no man shutteth. Shutteth and no man openeth. Because of one that had it all together, he found himself knocking. What a gentleman. What a gentleman that he doesn't force doors open and he doesn't make it happen. I've come with a, a full heart. One is a porter that understands somebody that can open a door and somebody that has experience. So a porter that understands, a God who understands your knocking and you are knocking on the door. I need to find the direction, the way. And another picture of, 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 of God standing at a door knocking, trying to open doors. Then uh, he has that ability, he said, that if you will open up, I will come in. So in one setting, he's saying, I'll come to you. You come to me, we get together. In that setting, if we're not careful, the things that open the doors is what's offensive to us. And so we think that things that drive us deeper in prayer, that propel us, an iron gate opening. If we're not careful, we start thinking that those things are what somehow are offensive, bitter, and then we begin to have bitterness over the offenses that he's bringing about to try to have open doors in our life. And bitterness begins to build. And so, uh, the cure for bitterness. So, God, if you'll help us here tonight, God, my heart, I pray that you'll help us, Jesus. Help us, help us, help us, my prayer, Lord. Would you pray with me? several occasions we have here of late uh, came to the pulpit and dealt with the importance of praying the prayer of the tabernacle or getting through that gate and inside of that gate, that gate being so pivotal to what happens beyond the gate it's what happens at the gate that is going to determine whether the altar is acceptable it's what happens at the entrance of the gate that will determine whether the brazen laver that will be washing away the blood of the sacrifice it's what happens at the gate that's going to determine what happens inside of that tabernacle because if we're not careful 
what's happening at the gate we think it's insignificant or what's happening in the ta- in the tent doesn't affect what happens at the gate and then it's only after we get into the presence of God that we realize that what happened at the tent and what happened at the gate has a way of affecting the glory and the worship of that which happens inside of the tabernacle now we have looked at the importance of entering into his courts with thanksgiving and to his gates with praise and I'm grateful for that passion that fire I've seen a lot of churches but I just want to say that I love the way this church worships I love the way that individuals just press through it's not uncommon for ministers that do come through remember uh, brother my brother, Brother Jim Townley, as he was watching and after he was done, he, he observed and he said, he said, there's something about the church and they have the ability, he said, of just spontaneously worshiping God. So it's not orchestrated as such. It's not unusual for somebody to just go get the drum and beat the drum. There's a victory. There's a spontaneous reaction and it ushers in the presence of God another brother Daniel McKillop he was here preaching and afterwards and while we were up in uh, New, New Brunswick he, uh, he made mention he said you know we have a lot of uh, uh, faithful dependable generational saints of God and they know how to pray they know how to worship he said but and they know how to catch the wave of the Holy Ghost, he said. But what I, what I really like about the church in Brewer, he said, is that they come to church and they're going to worship until the wave comes. He said, they're ready when the wave comes. He said, so, you know, not just doing it because he moved, but they have that ability to move and know God is going to move. That's what ushers us into the presence of God is our pursuit of God, our hunger for God. Blessed is he that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And it's the one that stands. He said to him that asketh, you will receive. To he that looks for it, you're going to find it. And then he added another thing, and to him that There's going to be an open door if you'll just keep knocking. Thank God that there's an opening in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes that we just come in and bask in His presence, but sometimes we got to get on that floor and we just got to keep knocking. Sometimes we got to come to church and we just got to keep praying. So it's, it's not unusual to be able to catch the surf and be able to enjoy the presence of God. Come in, early pray, early prayer through the day, sit on the pew, feel the presence of God. And like I happened today, walking in, feeling the presence of God when you walk through the door. The doors are already open. Somebody's already been praying. Thank God. And then there's the setting 
uh, uh, sometimes you just got to seek after the Lord. Sometimes you got to keep knocking after the Lord. And that knocking is what will bring about something happening in the Holy Ghost. That a, a, an opening in the Spirit of God can take place. And then uh, on one occasion the Lord said, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like a man that finds himself approaching the judge. And says, Judge, a lady... Avenge me of mine adversary. And suddenly the man sends her away. And again the next day she comes back and she's just knocking. And uh, it might be strange to everybody else, but she's just knocking. She knows that that judge has the ability to transform and change her situation. So she comes to the only one that really has the power to change it. And she comes back and she just keeps knocking and she just keeps knocking. And finally the judge in frustration says, you know what? I can't take it anymore unless she weary me with her coming. Whatever her problem is, you go and avenge her of her adversary. I'm just glad I serve a God that if I just keep knocking, knocking, just keep knocking, just keep giving it my... Incredible verses that are some of my favorite verses. I love, I love preaching verses that have radically impacted my life. Radically. I mean verses that have helped transform my thinking. There are verses that have an impact on individuals' lives that will last forever. Some of the verses that I was working with today, some of those verses, the Bible says that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for the saints of God. One of the oft-quoted verses of the Bible is that he learned obedience through the things which he, he suffered. A lot of people look at obedience from a, uh, a downward or an upward slope only. As if obedience is something that, uh, why do I have to obey you? And a lot of times if we're not careful, that word obedience just simply, uh, simply means uh, to some people that it just means you got to do what I say do. And from that perspective, it's a little hard to fully grasp the context of this verse that though he were a son, flesh, yet learned he obedience through the things which he, he suffered. And so if we're not careful, the, the term obedience is more about, well, you got to do what I say do. And if we have that mindset then we can get angry at everybody around us as well when they don't do what we say do. Well, somebody will say amen. Well, we're getting in this hierarchy stuff here now. Husband and wife, children and parents. Amen. 
So, you know, if we only have the understanding that, hey, this is a, you, I'm, the, I'm the man of this house, you get your business together. Somebody said, it's my way or the highway. And then you're surprised when you get both. Boy, I'm preaching right now. devil's a liar I want to help us tonight if the Lord will help me he learned obedience to the things which he suffered how could this great big God who knows all things learn anything as if to know something that he did not know learned and yet suffering is what brought it about and so as I begin to search through that and perhaps you've heard me say it before but that word obedience is so much larger than the context of a father telling a, a child a son or daughter you do what I said because I said so wow None of you have ever done that as parents, I understand. None of you have ever said these words. Uh, yeah, you have. Are you listening to me? None of you have ever said, do you hear me? I wish somebody would help me out here. Are there any children here that's ever heard it? Now we'll get the honest. Yeah, now, now we'll get real honest here. That's right. All you children that may have heard that before, would you please stand, even if you're married and your parents are in this room right now. I was waiting to make sure that Sister Tiffany and Sister Jessica and Sister Kayla stood. No, just kidding. And Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Brother John, you never really lived till you've been looked at and said, you listening to me? You better hear me. So, uh, and, uh, and, and so we're like, what in the, and yet that is the context of this word. This word's context is not about, you just learn how to. That suffering, that obedience means he learned how to listen. Well, who would be talking to him?
so got a, a door and I'm that maybe that one maybe you're the one that's just been knocking behold I, if, you, if you'll knock I'll open up and then maybe you're the, the lady that just came to the door That word obedience comes from a word, porter. He learned how to be a porter. He learned how to be one that would open a door. By suffering, he would understand everything you're going through. By suffering, when your voice was standing outside the door at midnight, and you were crying, and tears was running down your face, and you're knocking on that door saying, God, I need some help. He, he learned because of his own suffering. He learned how to say, I can't leave you by yourself. I'll open the door. Come in. He learned how to listen to your brother Billy Cole because of what he went through. He learned how to know how you felt, brother John, because of what he went through. He learned what it was like, brother Foley, because of what he went through. He learned, he learned every feeling, every emotion, everything you ever been through. Because of what he went through, he learned how to come to the door and open the door for your prayer and for your cry and for your sighing and when it's so rough and when you don't know what to do and you just turn to God and say, God, I don't want to think this way. God, I don't want to feel this way. I need some help, God. He said, I know how to open the door for you. And open. One of the verses in Hebrews chapter 7 and 25 says that he's the one that ever liveth to make intercession for the saints of God. One verse in the book of Acts, as Stephen was being slain, he said, I see, I see Jesus standing, and there standing in the right hand, the authority, and the power. He was standing to receive a good sacrifice. Somebody that was being stoned. Somebody that was being hurt. Somebody that was being wounded. Somebody that was being killed. Somebody that was just suffering. Can you imagine that we're going to have to stand next door to Brother Stephen? Hey, Stephen, what was your quick trip to glory? Well, it wasn't real quick. It was a stone here and a stone there. It was a wound here. It was a wound there. But I'll never forget that moment when the Lord came to carry me home. I wasn't bitter. I didn't have anger in my heart. As a matter of fact, I was saying, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. I see Jesus. And I want to tell you that's a cure for bitterness every single day is if you can get your eyes off of the one that's throwing the stones you can get your eyes on the one that's on the throne and you can say holy, 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 holy Lord God Almighty receive my spirit we can get caught up in the stone throwing and become bitter 
And so in that, in that setting, we have scriptures in Acts chapter, uh, looking at the chapter there, I think it's chapter number 7, the first, the first martyr stone I see standing at the right hand. Another passage of scripture in Hebrews later on would say that after he offered a sacrifice, he sat down expecting, scripture says, until his foes would become his footstool. So he sat down. In that context, one sees him standing to receive the good sacrifice. And in another, we see him sitting. So is he standing or is he sitting? The reason why he could sit after he had sacrificed. Woo. You won't ever be able to sit until you've sacrificed. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The only reason why he could sit down because he'd been through it all. And the reality of it is, in the tabernacle, there was no seat. There was only a mercy seat. And there hovered over the Shekinah, was the Shekinah glory of God over that mercy seat. Blood protecting them from the judgment of God. And there was only one found worthy to take that blood and put it on that mercy seat. And there was only one perfect sacrifice, help me now Lord, that could go into that holiest of holies and sit down on that mercy seat. And even though there was no sitting for the priest who was an earthly priest because his sins were constant. So there was always another sacrifice and another sacrifice and another sacrifice. And yet when he, the perfect sacrifice, that lamb slain from the foundation of the world, that perfect lamb, that perfect priest offering a perfect sacrifice, when he laid down his life, there was not another sacrifice that would ever have to die. He was the perfect sacrifice. He then could sit down because the work of the sacrifice had been completed. And so in one hand, he's standing receiving the souls, the prayers. Another, in another role, he's sitting, he's sitting down because there's no need of another sacrifice. And yet in Ephesians, he says it like this, Ephesus, the church there, he begins to write and say, Paul said that he had made us to sit together in heavenly places. And yet in another verse there, he would say that he had set him uh, on his right hand. And in that setting, that he is seated with the saints of God. And so we've got one where he's standing to receive them. We've got another where he's sitting and, and he's become that that propitiation. The scripture talks about that he is the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. And that propitiation comes from that root word, mercy seat. So that perfect lamb became that perfect mercy seat where there was no more need of blood of bulls and goats, but it was the blood of a sinless lamb. That had finally made it to the altar finally made it to the Ark of the Covenant 
But what was so beautiful is the reason why it made such an impact at the mercy seat is because at the gate, way before the sacrifice was ever made, there was a priest who was observing the lamb, making sure that was a good lamb, that's a clean lamb, that's a perfect lamb, that lamb's not blind, that lamb's not wounded, that lamb's not hurting, that's the lamb that I want to lay down his life and to sacrifice. I don't want something that's imperfect, I don't want something that's impure, I don't want something that's wounded, I don't want something that's bitter, I don't want something that's got blood. I want something that's perfect. And God himself became a man and provided himself a perfect sacrifice. It wasn't a man that was guilty that had his throat slit. It wasn't a man that was guilty that had his robe stripped off of him. It wasn't a, no, it wasn't a guilty man that had his back stripped and had cat of nine tails ripped and blood was running down his back. It was a perfect man. It was a sinless man and you will never get out of this world without being stripped, without being beaten, without being cut and sliced and diced. He was perfect. Thus the reason why he was chosen to be the sacrifice. And thus, a lot of times, you may be seated, is where we struggle with why the beating why the abusing why the harsh words why the criticism why the spit why the buffeting in the jaw why the crown of thorns why the rod on the head why because he was perfect and only a perfect sacrifice And who are we to come before God and say, I'm going to give whatever I want to give. Oh, help us here right now, Lord. Who is it that's going to say, I get to come to church and do it any way I want to do it? I wish you'd hear my heart here for a moment. I get to just do it any way when the Lord is saying, why don't you do it the king's highway? Why don't you do it by the way of suffering? and humbleness, and meekness, and gentleness, and kindness, long-suffering. I wonder what it was like that first day that Adam looked at two boys, tumbled, rough, raising them, two little boys that loved each other, I suppose. He saw them play together, Cain and Abel, and what a sight. Cain and Abel going about their daily activities. Dad brings them over and says, this is the offering God is requiring. This is the offering God likes. Here's the way we do it. We bring our firstlings of the flock and first fruit. We bring all that to the Lord and we let him. And in that setting, Cain, the Bible says, in the process of time, he brought forth an offering. Didn't say it was his first, it was an offering. But the Bible says Abel, he came and he brought the first, firstling, and the, the, the fat thereof, the first fruits, that, that first. Now, I know that a lot of times we get to thinking about tithing in this setting. But if I could bring it more than just 
the concept of uh, a giving of one's money. What if I could get you to open up your mind to do something larger than just finances? What if I could ask about your entire life? Is that okay? So we can get the context of God requires the first. Wow. The first. Seek ye. First. Uh, and his. And he refuses to allow any offering to take the place of first. This is where bitterness began to encroach. Then he says, but, but you got to be careful that you don't become cursed with a curse because you don't bring the first. The only place in the Bible you're gonna, that I've been able to find was cursed with a curse is in that setting. Cursed with a curse. Whew. Wow. Time is not a friend to dwell much therein. Nonetheless, God did not have respect to the sacrifice that was not first. And because God didn't respect him, Cain got angry at... Who did Cain get angry at, really? Cain got angry at God, really. And that's when Cain, watching brother, walk away with a, a good countenance, a good relationship. And all of a sudden, anger is over here in Cain's heart. And it's all about the sacrifice. It's all about they gave first. They put it first in their life. You know what? Don't worry about somebody that wants to ridicule you because you put God first in your life. Mark it down, it's because they're probably not putting God first in their life. Whether it's a mother, whether it's a father, whether it's a brother, 
Rather they want to mock you because of the dresses you wear or the way that you wear your hair or the way you don't cut your hair and the what you don't drink and what you don't wear and what you don't swear and the list goes on of how they want to ridicule you. I can tell you what it is. It's because God has accepted your sacrifice and God is not pleased and he does not have respect with their sacrifice. And because of that, there is no respect for that sacrifice. And Cain was mad, wroth, and his countenance fell. I promise you, your countenance will tell more about you than anything else in the world. God wants your face to be the billboard of his glory. Thus, we got to be so careful what we allow. That face is to manifest. That's God's billboard. That's why we don't paint it with makeup. Because God wants to be able. He said that, that, that the glory of God might shine forth in your face. So what is it that Satan is wanting? He's wanting your countenance so that you can be a billboard for his misery. Boy, I'm preaching. That's the reason why we, we got to be careful what we watch. We got to be careful what we listen to. Because these are gateways into the inner soul of a man. And what we watch comes in. What we hear comes in. And scripture once says it like this. Well, uh, it's not that which entereth into a man that defileth a man. Well, he's not talking about impurity. He's talking about meats, food, drinks. That's not the issue. But there are some things that can come into your life that can defile you. How do you know? Because the scripture says it like this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And so what you're talking about in your tent and who you're ridiculing and who you're mad at and who you're frustrated at is going to be manifest. And so therefore, what begins to come out is what's inside. You got to remember, it's not a slip out. Somebody wants to slang a curse word. Oh, that was a slip. No, sir. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Oh, pastor, I didn't mean to do that. No, no, it's out of the abundance of the heart. It's out of that abundance. Frustration, anger, gossip, whatever the occasion, that's what ferments out. Genesis 4 and 7, one of those things that just smites me in the heart. He says, why are you mad? You will? Why are you so angry? Why are you still so full of this bitterness? Why, why, why do you let it keep fermenting out? If you do well, won't you be accepted just like everybody else? If thou doest not well,
he's knocking on our door. But then he says to Cain, you better be careful being bitter and being angry and letting that ferment in your heart. Because if you are not careful, a seed of bitterness in your heart. But I, but what about him? He was accepted. Yeah, what about yours? It wasn't. But God gave you a chance to repent. Why does he always get all the favor? God gave you the opportunity to get just as much favor. He talked to you just like, matter of fact, we don't even have a recorded word where God ever spoke to Abraham. I mean to Abel. The only person he ever spoke to on those brothers was to a man by the name of Cain. Cain. If you're not careful... There's something waiting at your door. Somebody needs to hear me in this building right now. That anger is not just anything. That's, a, that's an uncontrolled source that has got a, a lion crouching at your door waiting for one opportunity you to say the wrong word. And before you know it, your heart is filled with bitterness. Sin lying at the door crouched in, attacked, and I don't even know where it started. I don't even know where it began, but one moment I opened the door and now here it is. Now four years, 30 years have come and gone, and I'm angry and I'm bitter and I'm frustrated. You gotta be careful what lies at your door. Because what lies at your door when you open it will get in. Let me show you where the ultimate goal is. The ultimate goal was not just to attack Cain. That lion attacked Cain, got him. Look what he did next.
giving it his first part. One is giving it his first. One is just bringing what he wants to bring. Just be glad I'm here. did it in the field. And I'm going to tell you, you'll do it when nobody else is watching and listening. That's when you begin to kill your brother. Don't ever doubt that that brother could be a shepherd. And as he brought it, and he brought that whatever weapon it was and slew him.
shepherd in your life's dead because the door was opened right here. And when that door was opened, the lion pounced and you never saw it coming. And now bitterness resides. And now I can't go to church without thinking about how I was done wrong. What somebody said. Well, I'm trying to give you my heart here tonight. The Holy Ghost is wanting to talk to somebody. How do you know, how do you know what, what, what's happening? I'll tell you why. Because there's only one cure for bitterness. And that's to be sure that what you're offering to the Lord is right and acceptable. So the only way to keep it outside the door is to be sure that at the gate there's going to be worship and there's going to be praise. And so the way that you can always identify if there's bitterness is there's an inability to worship. I love him. I spoke with him today. It was not a good conversation, but I tried. I told him I loved him. He said, you don't love me. I said, I love you with all my heart. He says, actions speak louder than words. I said, I cry for you. I weep for you. I pray for you. What do you want me to do? Drive to your house, grab you, and shake you and bring you to church physically. What more can I do but pray for you? I love you. Because the door was open. A man that I loved with all my heart. A man that I would watch. Set a few rows back. I'd look at him. And I'd see him. And I would get strength from worship and praise. I, I watched him. I looked at him. All of a sudden, I looked at him. And he wouldn't catch my eye. I was like, oh God. I looked at him again, wouldn't catch my eye. And then week after week, he would come to church. And he wouldn't look at me anymore. And I'm having to come to church with that awkward, awkward sacrifice that's not being accepted. Until finally that would make his way out the door. And I'll never forget the last night he stood in that foyer. And I watched him go. He's not returned now for three or four years. But today, it was a bitter spewing, a bitterness that just flowed. And I thought, Lord, where did it all start? It started with one door that was opened. That was an unprotected moment. And in that moment, bitterness and the seed was implanted. I want us to pray right now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you. Be careful the doors that you open. You want to be sure that you open the right door because bitterness could be setting behind that door. A lion could be setting behind that door. First, it'll be the shepherd. And then there'll be a crying of, oh, this is too hard. This is too much. And, and you'll be afraid that someone will do to you what you've done to Abel. 
No, 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 no. Let's not open that door of bitterness. Let's be sure we keep a prayer life. Let's be sure we keep a praise going up in that gate. When I'm preaching to someone here, I believe that your future, your future is at stake and you don't even realize it. It's really, really at stake. It's a rare moment that I come to this pulpit with such a, a stark warning, but I pray from the bottom of my heart. It's not the storm that makes a person bitter. It's not, it's not the pain that makes a person bitter. It's, it's not the squeeze that makes, no, no, no. The squeezing of the apple reveals the sweet nectar and the sweet juice. The, sweet, the squeezing of an orange is what reveals its contents. It's the squeezing of a, of a lemon that reveals if it's bitter or not. It's not the squeeze that will determine if you're bitter. It's the squeeze that will reveal whether there's going to be an openness to the will of God, to the plan of God. God will put you through the squeeze but I'm here to tell you the sweetness that'll come out of it if you won't get bitter. Egypt, you may, you may come out of Egypt and drink some bitter waters, but if you'll put a tree in that water, it'll make that bitter water sweet. You gotta be sure to keep every sacrifice in context of a cross of Calvary. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the sacrifice. You don't understand it. I'm here to tell you, but there's a God that understands what you've been through. There's a God that knows every tear you've ever cried. There's a God that has felt every pain that you've ever experienced. He's a, he's a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. help it break it God would you help me pray church uh, it has not lifted and, I, and I'm, I'm wanting to give it my best and I don't want to be right wonderful faithful beautiful saints of God please I'm telling you I know there's a lot of ables in this building I understand and there's a lot of good people in this building here right now all of you and I love you dearly but I'm here to tell you give you, there, there's, there's things that lie at that door that you don't want to come through that door God, come on, you don't want that root of bitterness to grow up in you. you. You don't want it. It'll defile many. And you don't want to listen to that root. You don't want to listen to somebody that's got a root of bitterness always presenting it from their perspective. Well, well, what about it, Pastor? Do you ever have a bad attitude? Why is it everybody else always got a bad attitude? Why, why, why? Ooh, help us, God. I don't shut Would I rather have a God who's all-knowing or would I have a God who has all understanding? I'm glad I have both. He doesn't just know from a knowledge point, but I'm glad that he went through suffering and he understands what it's like to be maligned. He understands what it's like to be rejected. He understands what it's like to be mocked. He understands what it's like to 
Oh, God, help us right now. God, give us some spirits of Job that will somehow say, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm going to have confidence in him. And, and I refuse to let the bitterness of a wife or the bitterness of a husband have me curse God and die. Not going to happen. After this trial, I'm going to have as much song as I had when I came into this trial. brokenness will come there's always going to be that moment when in the house of God the alabaster box that you've been carrying around and you've been putting stuff inside suddenly you get in the presence of the master and you break the alabaster box and there you begin to pour it out on the body I want to ask you will you make sure that what you break and you pour out on the body is going to be sweet it's going to be wonderful that's what the Holy Ghost is wanting to make in your life it's the fragrance of the rose that's been crushed by the heel that produces a beautiful fragrance it's your crushings in life that fills up the alabaster box that the whole house is filled with the aroma and suddenly it anoints the entire body God let me be that person that fills my alabaster box with a precious anointment and a precious ointment that when I'm broken it smells and it's a wonderful anointing to the body Judas, your betrayal is going to cost the body. Judas, your betrayal is going to be, it'll be forever etched in the palms of the one that's laying down his life. Judas, Judas, you'll see scars signature on his, on his side. There'll be scars signature in his fist all because you sold it out. What you kept hidden in your heart, eventually it rupted out. And now you find yourself with a bag of gold casting it at a door of a temple that you'll never go into again. Hanging yourself. What's the purpose of living? Or will it be that little lady Mary that said, Lord, I don't understand all these. I know that you said you're going to be betrayed. And I know you said you're going to be crucified. In three days you'll raise again. And I don't understand all that. I just know that when I'm in your presence, something happens in my heart. And this is the best thing I've got. And the best thing I've got, I'm going to bring it to you, Lord. Somebody pray to the Lord right now. and I want you to make that moment to the Lord at this moment. Lord, I'm going to bring you the best I have everything I have I'm going to bring the alabaster box I'm going to give it it's not much but if you can use anything Lord you can use me I don't even know how to give it but Lord if you can use it in Sunday school if you can use it in a school bus wherever you want to use it Lord just pour me out on the body somewhere Lord that maybe in your crucifixion moment I won't forget maybe you'll remember a little lady that loved you with all of her heart maybe you'll remember a moment when everybody else was just washing 
There was somebody that had an alabaster box. There was somebody that said, I love him. I love him. I'm not bitter. I'm going to give my first. I'm going to give my all. I'm not going to be bitter. I thank you, Lord, for what you've given in my life. His altars are open. Is there somebody with an alabaster box and say, I'm going to give it, Lord? <laughs>